1: Hello everybody and welcome back. Thank you for joining us once again. We had the great privilege of sitting down with Richard Capriola, who is a mental health and addictions counselor and has been for the last 2 decades. He's also the author of the book The Addicted Child. I loved this conversation. I it was great. I hope
0: you get as much out of it as we did. Yeah, I just felt so empowered after listening to this and after having this interview with him because addictions is something that just I was so fearful of and didn't really know what to look out for so this podcast is great for you whether you have a baby an older child a teenager you are going to want to listen to this save it for future listen to it now listen to it again when you need it it's a great one awesome thanks guys
1: Welcome, Richard. We are very excited to have you joining us today on the podcast. So today, everybody, we have Richard Capriola talking to us. He is the author of The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse. This is a topic that... Alisa and I have spoken about many times, it is a fear of ours, adolescence, substance abuse, it's getting scarier and scarier, so we are very excited to chat today and learn a little bit more about some of those signs and how we can actually be helping our, our children and our preteens and our teens as they are kind of discovering this new world. So welcome Richard.
2: Thank you so much for inviting me to, to spend some time with you to talk about this issue. I, I know it's a very important issue that uh, is on the minds of a lot of parents these days. Um, uh, so I, I really appreciate your uh, giving me the opportunity to talk about my book, uh, as well as some of the major issues surrounding adolescent substance abuse. So thank you very much. I appreciate both of you taking the time to talk to me.
1: Well, we appreciate you sitting down with us. Oh my goodness, you are going to make all of us feel a little bit better. Um, And then we have this extra resource we're going to be able to share with our families if they are concerned. So before we jump in, Richard, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your, you know, background and what kind of led you to do what you're doing now and, and writing a book about substance abuse in adolescence?
2: Well, I've been working with both adolescents and adults uh, who have been diagnosed with mental health and substance abuse issues for over two decades. Uh, I spent quite a lot, lot of time in education um, working in the state of Illinois. Um, and uh, I also uh, started working for a regional mental health center in central Illinois, where we would take in Uh, people from the emergency rooms into a crisis center and we would provide services to them for a while. I noticed that quite a few of them had not only a mental health issue but a substance abuse issue as well. So I went back to the University of Illinois and received a master's degree in addictions counseling. Continued to work at the crisis center in central Illinois for a while until I was offered a job at Menninger Clinic as an addictions counselor. Menninger is located in Houston, Texas. It's a large psychiatric hospital. And I was hired as an addictions counselor for both adolescents and adults. And I worked for Menninger for uh, around 11 years. During that time, when I was working with adolescents and their families, Uh, I I could see firsthand the struggle that parents were going through when confronted with a child who is abusing a substance like alcohol or marijuana. I saw the stress that they were under. I saw the fear that was in their eyes. And, And so many times, you know, when I would sit down with them and talk to them about their child's history of using a substance one of the most common responses that I heard from parents was, I had no idea this was going on. Or if they, if, they, if they thought something was going on, they would say, well, I knew something was going on, but I didn't know it was this bad. So I wanted to write a resource uh, for parents that would give them the basics on adolescent substance abuse, everything from uh, what drugs are out there, how do drugs work in the adolescent brain, what are the warning signs every parent should know about? And, and if you suspect your child is using a substance, what kind of assessments and tests should you, should you get done? And then also what kind of treatment options are out there? And I wanted to put this all into about a hundred pages so that it would be something that would be an easy reference and a quick reference for parents without having to go through volumes of, of, of technical information. I wanted it to be user-friendly.
0: Yeah, and that is so great because that's exactly what I I imagine a parent in that situation needs is something easy that they can just pick up, read, learn about, and feel a little bit more confident about how to move forward from that point.
2: And that's exactly the goal that I wanted uh, is for a parent to feel just what you just what you described, and and because so many people uh, like to uh, read. You know, on the Kindle, uh, there is a Kindle version of it. A lot of people still like the paperback version, so there's a paperback version as well. And there's also a parent handbook that I developed that goes along with it, because so many times parents need help, too. And this parent workbook helps them go through some of the emotions that they're feeling. It has some information on communication skills, so that when they're talking to their child, they have some skills to listen, not just to the words, but also to the feelings, uh, because that's so important as well.
1: It really is. Um, we are gonna link everything in the description of this. So for everyone who is like, okay, I need this, I need this, I get into the description and it will all be linked in there for sure, for sure. So Richard, the the fact that you've been doing this for so many years, we are still in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, mm-hmm. The United States is a little bit different than Canada, but we're still kind of all struggling through in one way or another. Have you seen? Have you seen a big change? Have you seen an impact on our adolescence, compulsive behaviors, that kind of stuff, with the pandemic?
2: Well, the. The, the pandemic has, has affected everybody. It's affected adults, it's, it's affected yes. adolescents, it's disrupted life as, 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 as it used to be, uh, work schedules, a whole range of things. And what the Centers for Disease Control is, is starting to, to note is that there has been an increase in the mental health needs of children as a result of the pandemic. For example, since the pandemic began, there's been a roughly a 20, 24% increase in the number of emergency room visits by grade school children. That's a pretty large increase in terms wow. of grade school children. There's been a 30, over a 30% increase for teenagers who are urgently in need of mental health care. So I think we're just beginning to scratch the surface on the mental health ramifications of this pandemic for both adolescents and
0: adults. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is, I think this is gonna be felt for years and years to come. I think you're right. Now, you mentioned some of those warning signs This is a big one. I need to (laughs) know. This is (laughs) can you describe some of the warning signs that we should be looking for in our children or even in our children's friends? Yeah. -hmm. You know, that might come to to our homes regularly or be seen with our children. So I imagine it's not only just about our children, but sometimes the children around hours as well, right?
2: Yes, absolutely. That's very very true. And in the book, I have a listing of warning signs for things like alcohol. There are some different warning signs for marijuana. Uh, There's warning signs for a child that might be developing an eating disorder. There are warning signs for a child that might be self-injuring. Because in some cases, not all cases, but in some cases, a child who's using a substance might also be struggling with an eating disorder, or they might also be struggling with self-injury that parents are unaware of. So there are warning signs specifically for eating disorders and for a child who's self-injuring that parents should be aware of. Um, But as a general rule, what I advise parents to do is pay attention to the changes that you see in your child. Um, don't assume that the changes you're seeing are just normal adolescent development. They may very well be, but they may be a symptom of an underlying issue. So pay attention to those changes that you see in your child. For example, um, if you see a change in declining academic performance, you may have had a child who was doing very well, and now you're starting to see the grades are starting to slip. A child might be getting into trouble at school, um, that, whereas before they didn't. A child who used to be very social and outgoing now becomes withdrawn and very isolating. A child who uh, used to introduce you to their friends, you knew who their friends were, you might have known who their family was, uh, now becomes very secretive about who their friends are. Um, A child who used to take pride in their appearance no longer cares about what their appearance is like. So these are the kinds of changes that parents need to pay attention to and find out what's going on. Don't just assume that this is just teenage developmental type of stuff. It may very well be, but it could also be a symptom of an underlying developing issue that, that you need to be aware of. So pay attention to those changes that you see in your child. Okay. So those are all really, really good
1: points. I really, really like that you touched on, yes, our children are and our adolescents, I do have a, a 15 and a half year old and a 11 year old. Um, so preteen and teen. Um, there, There's going to be those changes. Absolutely. But we can't we can't just sweep it under the rug that oh teenagers are teenagers and this is just what to expect as as teenagers um you know I went to my room and talked with my friends uh which which is something that I had to like you know release a little bit that she could have that space and stuff like that but knowing that she was still coming back she wasn't completely um being reclusive she wasn't completely isolating herself right so there is that difference between teenagers being teenagers wanting a little bit of space and, you know, we need to keep investigating, or we need to keep our eyes open, right? So if you're starting to see maybe one of those things that Richard just said, it's okay, let's look around at some of the other pieces in our, in, in their life and see, are there any other signs as well? So so for families out there who are starting to see or, or listen, listening to this, hearing that flag and or that sign and going, oh, hmm, I wonder if I need to keep checking more. So I, I do like that there that you that you made that difference between it's not just teenagers being teenagers all the time you do want to stay on top of that stuff.
2: And you brought up a very good point, too. I think the more of these changes that you see, the more concerning it becomes. Mm -hmm. So if you start to see two or three of these changes, that's more concerning than maybe you saw one that's an isolated event. So pay attention to the warning signs, pay attention to the frequency of the warning signs, and pay attention to the number of warning signs that you see. As you see the frequency and the numbers increase, then you probably should be more concerned.
1: it really is like the the bigger they get the bigger the bigger they are the bigger the problems is that the whole teenage (laughs) phrase this is it is it is a lot the older they get there's just so many more things we have to be aware of and and substance abuse and self-harm and all of that stuff just is part of it that um the more and i do agree that the more we're aware of these signs and we can kind of try and help and prevent hopefully some of those kind it's, of it's a very,
2: It's a very scary situation for parents. Um, it is. And, and I believe that knowledge is power. So the more knowledge we have as parents about this issue, perhaps the more comfortable we feel dealing with it.
1: And Richard, just before we um, <clears throat> pop on to our next question, I just want to peek in an extra one. Is there a difference between boys and girls when it comes to substance abuse? I have two girls, two boys. Is there a difference in those in those signs or is there a difference in what they're going to be projecting?
2: There's not necessarily a difference in the signs. There's not a difference okay. in terms of, of the warning signs that you should be aware of. There are some differences in terms of boys and girls and, 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 and substances. And boys tend to experiment with multiple substances, whereas girls tend to focus on one substance. Um, boys are more at risk, perhaps, for over-the-counter type of abuse than girls are. Um, so there are some subtle differences. Um, uh, but again i think if i was if, for parents focus on the warning signs focus on getting the assessments done um th- those are the key signals
0: now for the big one <laughs> and and i'm sure that you talk a lot about this in your book but just to touch on this a little bit how can parents protect their children from substance abuse um it i feel like it's one of those topics for me it feels so overwhelming because you don't want to push too much and you don't want to meddle too much but you also want to give them the proper information so that they know about things and yeah like just how can we work towards ensuring that our children are well equipped and you know have a lot of knowledge on certain things without overdoing it and without getting too much into their personal lives and, and <laughs> well, pushing them potentially further into it, I would yeah,
2: say. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, there are protective environments, but no child is completely protected from being vulnerable to alcohol and drugs. All children are vulnerable. But there are protective environments that, that parents can create. And um, I think one of the things that the parents can do from a a very early age, and uh, whether your child is six or seven or eight or 10 or 17 or 18, I think one of the keys is to develop a good uh, foundation of communication with your child.
1: Oh, fantastic. We we
2: We are very good at listening to people's words when we're talking to them so that when we're talking to each other and we're talking to our kids, we're very good at hearing the words. We're not so good at hearing the feelings behind those words. And that's a skill that every parent, all of us can learn to to, to develop and get better at so that when we're talking to our child, we're not only hearing their words, we're hearing the feelings behind those words and we can reflect those back to our child so that Over time, the child begins to develop the feeling that that it is a safe place for them to talk to you, that they feel safe with you, that they feel not judged by you. So that if an issue comes up like substance abuse, let's say you suspect your child is is, is using a substance, you can have a conversation with them that is more than just listening to their words, but listening to the feelings behind those words. So that over time you develop that skill of listening to the feelings behind the words. Then you can have that conversation that hopefully will be more productive. Um, When we ask kids, what is it that keeps you from talking to your parents about issues? The number one response that comes back is a fear of being judged kids fear being judged by their parents. So the more that you can do beginning at an early age or even, even in late teen years to develop that communication skill and that trust uh, through listening not only to words but to feelings, then you have set the foundation for protecting them a little bit better. And if they do get involved in a substance, you have the foundation where they feel uh, they feel safe in talking to you about it because what you wanna try and get an understanding understanding of is why are they using a substance? Was it because they feel anxious? Was it because of peer pressure? Was it because of uh, curiosity? Uh, and they're more likely to open up and talk to you about that if they feel that uh, they're not being judged, and they can talk to you about what's really going on underneath the surface.
0: I love and and <laughs> Pam feels the same way I know I can see it in her right now. But we love how you brought that up. because. That is exactly the base of what we do. And we're working with our families as well, is we are focusing so much on communication building and listening to our children's feelings right from a very, very early age. So what you just said is it it resonates so much and it just reinforces everything that we are working hard on as well.
2: That's good. I'm glad to hear that because um, parents out there need, need to know that you know there is hope in terms of developing these relationships. Mm-hmm. So what you ladies are doing to help them develop those skills and, and impress upon them the importance of, of, of developing those skills and developing that communication and that understanding and that trust is, is going to pay dividends, not just when their children are, are, are adolescents, but into adulthood as well.
1: It is. It, it is definitely one of those things that Elisa and I are um, the foundation of what we do with even our own children, and, and sure. it was a big thing for me with my own husband, um, coincidentally named Richard. Uh, but um, it was for us when when our when our youngest was really young. I said, you know, my, my goal in life and my husband's goal in life was that as teenagers they could be they knew that they could come and talk to us. They they would yeah. be there to listen to them. That they could feel safe. But I was like if we don't start this now, they're not just going to turn into teenagers and be like, hey, mom, can I divulge everything to you? It's just not going to happen, right? So um, that makes a really big, big difference for sure. And for our last question before we, um, I I could keep talking about this forever and ever, Richard. So I think what we're going to do is um, if our families have more questions, uh, I think we'd like to gather some more, see if we can have you back. But before um, we do sign off, if a family is worried or suspect that uh, their child is struggling with any type of substance abuse what should they be doing what could they be doing to help
2: sure no, I'd be more than happy to come back if you get questions from your listeners and or, or if you ladies come up with issues that that oh. you think uh, we need to look at and and go beyond what we've talked about here. Wonderful. Uh, but if you suspect your child is using a substance the first thing you should do is have a conversation with your child and and see you know what information you can get not to judge them not not to accuse them of anything but but to give them an opportunity to to explain what's going on. Now that's a conversation that's probably going to go one of two ways. It's either going to go very well or it's going to blow up and the child's going to become defensive and angry and, and, and not go very well. But, but have that. try to have that conversation first. Um, then, regardless of how that conversation goes, you need to get an assessment done. And my book has an entire chapter on comprehensive assessments. You, because you need more than just an addictions assessment. That's an important assessment that's going to tell you what drugs your child's been using, how often they've been using, um, and, and give you a diagnosis of whether or not the use is mild, moderate, or severe. Uh, but then you need uh, other assessments. You need uh, a complete physical examination to make sure that there's not anything physically that might be contributing to your child's behavior. You need a, a psychological or a neuropsychological assessment assessment to see if there's any underlying reasons why your child might be using a substance. Many, uh, The large majority of teenagers that I worked with at Menninger who were smoking marijuana multiple times a day, when I asked them to help me understand why they were smoking marijuana, the number one answer that came back was it helps me with my anxiety. Um, So there are um, some children out there, not not all who use a substance, but there are some who are using it to medicate an underlying psychological issue. It might be anxiety. It might be depression. It might be a result of maybe being bullied at school that as a parent you knew nothing about. Um, It might be an emerging personality disorder. The point is, you need to get that type of an assessment that's psychological and neuropsychological assessment done so that you can either rule in or rule out any underlying psychological reasons that your child might be might be struggling with
1: gosh it it just oh gosh (laughs) it feels like a lot um i'm i'm we're so lucky that your book breaks it down for families Uh, but it it makes so much sense like getting to that root cause of it because it could be so many other reasons why they're doing it and getting to that root cause is always going to be the best way of if getting them off that path and then making sure that they're getting the help that they do need. Especially with this generation, they're so much more aware of mental health, of, um, you know, anxiety, their own personal stuff, right? So um, I could see them, especially if they're not feeling like they have that support, that they're turning to that, right? So yeah. Being and- their-
2: and not every child who's using a substance has an underlying mental health issue. Um, some of them use it because of curiosity. Some of it out of peer pressure. Some of it out of they just like getting high. So there could be an, any number of reasons. But but as a parent, what you want to do is rule in or rule out any underlying psychological issue like depression or anxiety or or trauma or some other issue that 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 may be uh, the root cause of your child using a substance to medicate
0: are you doing anything online right now during this time so if a family wanted to reach out to you um, are you offering anything like any services online
2: no i'm, I'm not providing addiction counseling online Um, Although there is a way through the website, through the book's website, that they can contact me. Um, But my goal since since I left Menninger was to provide this resource to educate families, to to, to help them understand a little bit about the neuroscience behind it, how drugs work in your child's brain, uh, what the warning signs are, what the assessments are, and if needed, what are the treatment options out there. So I'm really trying to focus right now on providing a resource to parents parents so that they feel better informed about this issue
1: yeah that's really great fantastic resource I'm especially myself with a 15 year old I know um, not only myself but a lot of her friends their families as well just this is amazing information Richard we can't thank you enough uh, for coming and sitting down with us is there anything you'd like to add before we sign off
2: no, I think you, you, you've done a great job of, of touching on the highlights uh, of this issue, which are so important. Um, you know, I would encourage everyone who's listening to, to get a copy of this book, to read it. It's not going to take you very long. It's very short. It's very concise. Um, keep it handy as a reference. Uh, hopefully, you, you may not need it, but you may know somebody, another family member or a friend that can benefit from it. So uh, take advantage of the resource. And, uh, and hopefully uh, feel better about this issue, maybe not so afraid of it yes. uh, because you feel better better equipped to deal with it if you need to.
1: Absolutely. Even just for myself, knowing those signs, I'm like, okay, good, 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 good. Yeah. Like the, just knowing those signs and those red flags. So everyone, The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse, Richard Capriola, um, download it, get it, uh, read it. And like Richard said, have it as that reference.
0: Yes, the
2: book. The book's available on Amazon, and it's also available through the book's website, which is www.helptheaddictedchild.com.
1: Perfect. And like I said, I'll I'll put those all in uh, the description as well, and everywhere. Okay, great.
0: And I will be sharing that resource with every parent that I know (laughs) because I think it's just so great for to be proactive. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Richard.
2: Thank you, ladies. I appreciate your time.
0: Thanks for joining us on
1: today's episode. We so appreciate that you've taken that time to come and hang out with us and listen to what we have to say. If you are struggling with sleep or parenting, please know that we have loads of free information on the website um, as well as on the YouTube channel. But if after you've read through everything and you've watched those videos, if you're still struggling, know that you're not alone and that we would love to help. So be sure to check out the website, www.restfulparenting.com. You'll find the link to book your free 15-minute call right there. And if you have any comments or anything you'd like to share with us, please leave them below in the comments. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks.